Turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. The sixth chapter. And while you're turning, let me make an announcement. In September, we introduced my third book, The Shepherd Who is a Lamb, 40 Days Along the Via Dolorosa. This is a pre-Easter uh, devotional. It's designed to start on Ash Wednesday and then read not only to Easter, but 10 days after Easter. There's 50 devotions in this. And uh, some of you, Michelle, already have it. In fact, Michelle bought, what, four copies already? And uh, Karen Ferris bought the very first copy that, that we had available. And so if you're interested, at the end of the service today, out in the foyer, I'll be doing a book signing. This is uh, Pastor John and I have been talking about this for, uh, I guess, several months now to, to get ready for this. So if you're interested, uh, they'll, I'll be out in the foyer after the service today. You, you honor me because every time we bring out a new book, you guys are just so receptive and, and we, we are so appreciative. Some of you have been praying for me because I, I had surgery. And my wife says that now she's gonna to have to get used to looking at me without any glasses on. But one thing that I've noticed is that, <clears throat> where's Pastor Brooks? I have noticed, Pastor, that readers are a nuisance. Isn't that right? So <clears throat> I don't, I'll have these close in case I need them today, but I put my notes in a 20-point font. <laughs> Some of you are laughing, but your day is coming. <laughs> God bless you. The title of the sermon this morning is Thankful for Our Gifts. Acts chapter 6, beginning to read at verse number 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Don't you love that thought? There were rumblings of discontent. It sounds good, but it isn't good. I, I hate to hear things going on in this church where there are rumblings of discontent. We don't want that in this church. Everybody say amen. amen. We don't want that in this church. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers they said we apostles should spend our time in teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following, Stephen, 
a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. King James Version translates that a proselyte. And, uh, you know, it's not only a nuisance, but I have, have trouble keeping my hearing aids on, pulling these glasses on and off. But it says, a proselyte. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were convert converted also. Not too long ago, I was visiting on the telephone with Dan Holloway. And Dan and I had a wonderful conversation. In fact, I sent him a text yesterday and I said, you might ought to come to church because I'm going to be talking about you tomorrow. But I see that either that he's afraid to come or it just didn't work out. But we were visiting on the telephone and he said, don't you love those times when you're reading through the Word of God and you're reading something that you've read time and again and all of a sudden it just turns on? It's just, it's just like a light turning on. And, and it just turns on and you, you say to yourself, I never saw it that way before. How many of you have had that experience? You know, if you're, if you're in the Word of God very much, you see, the thing about the Scripture is that it's, it's appropriate at all times, but sometimes the Lord says to us through the Holy Spirit, you need to see this in a different light. You need to see it in a different way. This particular text that I have taken this morning, that very night, after, after Dan and I had been talking, that very night I read this particular text in my devotions, and it was just like an epiphany. Suddenly it, it, it lit up and I thought, I never saw it that way before. And so I've been looking forward to sharing this with you and I've meditated on this particular passage and, and here, here are the points that I want us to use as guides this morning. We're gonna talk first of all about seeking God's gifts, serving God's people, sharing God's word, and spreading God's influence. Hopefully, I can take this text and pull out of it what, what I received that evening as I was reading in my, in my devotion. So first of all, let's talk about seeking God's gifts. With this point, I really want to depart from the text. After I get through with this point, we'll come back to Acts chapter 6. But I want to depart from the text, and I want us to, to look at a bridge we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit in, in this particular point. There are five lists of gifts in the New Testament of spiritual gifts. Five lists. Four of them are Pauline. One of them is Petrine. In other words, four from the Apostle Paul. The, the last one is from Peter. And so as we look at the Scriptures, so let me, let me give you these lists of gifts to start out this morning. The first one is Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. In this particular list, Paul lists prophecy, ministry. Now, 
we need to understand, and I'm looking at the King James in, in these lists, ministry is not ministry like me sitting up here and ministering to the congregation from the Word of God. This is the ministry of serving. Let me tell you something. We have wonderful deacons in this church. Now, the ministry of serving does not just, it isn't just for the deacons, but the deacons are certainly involved in this. They're in that ministry of serving, okay? Continuing teaching, exhortation, and exhortation is calling people to either a relationship with God or calling people back into the will of God. Exhortation is one of those things that God enlists when he calls people to revival. When there is a a message that comes from the word of God to stimulate us, to say, God, give us more of the fire of the spirit in our hearts and in our lives. I I feel the need of revival in my life. Are there others of you, you say, I need a revival. I need a refreshing in my life. Then pray with me about it. Seldom is the night that goes by that I don't say, God, send a revival to Christ's legacy church. Pray with me. Agree with me for it. Ask God for revival. And, and the, the, the gift of exhortation is, is uh, involved in, in times like that. Another one is giving. And, and this is, you know, all of us ought to be givers. All of us ought to be givers. But some people have the gift of giving. And I honestly believe that the people that really have the gift of giving, that God has also given to them the gift of earning or making money. And, and it just seems like the, the more they make, the more free-hearted they are. And they just, their, their hand is always open to the Lord. Here, Lord, take it. If you can take it and use it for your glory, take it. That's the gift of giving. But every one of us ought to be tithers. And every one of us ought to be giving in the offerings. When there are special offerings that come along, every one of us ought to be doing that. And the last one in this particular, no, there are two here. One of them is ruling, and that tends toward the gift of administration that is mentioned in another place. And then the gift of mercy or compassion toward those who are in need. Okay? That's, that's the list of gifts in Romans 12, 6 through 8. The next time we see a list is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And here Paul lists the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues. Now let me, let me stop here and just add a little definition. The gift of tongues or speaking in tongues is actually applicable in three different areas of our lives, okay? The first one is, it's the initial physical evidence of the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? That is the first use of speaking with other tongues. The second one, it is a prayer language for you to use in your private devotions. The third one is a time in, in corporate worship, when there is a message in tongues that goes out. That's what Paul is talking about here. Not evidence, 
not prayer language, but the, the message in tongues that goes out and then tied in with that is the last one in this list and it's the interpretation of tongues. That's that particular list in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. The next one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. It lists apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, and alludes to the gift of interpretation of tongues, okay? That gift is not specifically mentioned, but it is inferred in this particular list. Then we look on to Ephesians chapter four, verse number 11, where Paul says, there are gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. That last one is, is a combination gift, the gift of pastoring and the gift of teaching that are together. And then in, in 1 Peter, this is the last list, in 1 Peter chapter four, verse number 11, Peter says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This would be the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching. And it's speaking with correct interpretation of the word of God. And then he says, if any man minister, and here again, we're back to that gift of service, the gift of service. If any man ministers, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you have read my first book, The Helper, a devotional study of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, if you've read that book, you, you know that I divide the gifts into two dominant categories. The first category is that of extraordinary gifts. Extraordinary gifts are those that function only under the supernatural touch of the Holy Spirit. Okay, miracles would fall into that category. Uh, speaking with other tongues would fall into that category. And so there are several that fall in, into the category of extraordinary gifts. The other category is that of ordinary gifts. Please do not misunderstand. Ordinary gifts, to say they are ordinary, does not mean they're unimportant. Can I tell you today that the ordinary gifts are at least as important as the extraordinary gifts? They are vital to the church. And ordinary gifts are those talents and abilities that can be improved with practice or study. That would fall into teaching and things like that. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 31, New King James Version, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And I have to ask the question, what are the best gifts? Now I know what scholars say. I know that scholars say, well, the best gift has to be prophecy because it's mentioned more frequently in the lists of gifts than any of the other gifts. Next to that would be the gift of teaching because next to prophecy, the one that's mentioned the most is the gift of teaching. But let me tell you something. Even Paul says not everybody can do the same thing all the time. Not everybody can, not everybody can be 
the pastor of the church and get up here and, and preach from the word of God and speak as, as the prophet of the congregation. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can teach. In fact, I heard a survey some time ago that said there was, there was a survey taken to find out what people's greatest fears were. The greatest fear of people overall is public speaking. The next greatest fear is dying, which means for most people, they'd rather be down here than up here. So not everybody can do everything, okay? But I believe that in every one of our lives, there is a best gift, that we all have a best gift, and that we need to seek that best gift to be used in the kingdom of God. So I ask you this morning, what is your best gift? Is, is it that ability or talent that God has placed within you, that you are willing to invest in the kingdom of God. You see, we must understand these things about gifts. All of us, now pastor, that word in the Greek means what? All. All. All, All of us, that's pretty technical, isn't it? Pretty technical. All of us have gifts. All of us. And you see, our gifts are not, catch this, this is really important. Our gifts, your gifts, are not intended for personal benefit. Our gifts are intended for the benefit of others and for the benefit of the kingdom. So whatever gifts that you have, if you just hold it to yourself and say, ah, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna do that, then you are cheating God and his kingdom. Everybody do like this. Okay. You're cheating God and his kingdom. You see, our gifts will never reach their maximum potential until they are invested in the work of God. Your gifts will never reach their maximum potential until they are invested in the work of God. And you will never find. Okay, now I told you they're not for personal benefits, but let me tell you something. I get a great deal of satisfaction out of being able to use the gifts that God has given me to bless you with it. Okay? You will never find the greatest fulfillment in your life until you invest the gift that God has put in your life into the kingdom, into the kingdom. So that's seeking God's gifts, okay? The second thing is serving God's people. Acts chapter six may record the first widespread discontent in the early church. There was a rumbling that was going on in the congregation. And those who spoke Greek said, those Hebrews are getting taken care of better than we are. And there was a problem brewing in the church. One of the things that I am greatly concerned about in this church 
And I know Pastor Brooks felt this way. And I'm sure Pastor Elliot feels this way. One of the things that I am greatly concerned about in this church is that we maintain a spirit of unity. But here is this rumbling. You know, nothing pleases the devil more than if he can tear up a local church. Nothing pleases the devil more than that. You see, there was a feeding program in the church that was intended to care for all the widows of the church. But the Greek members felt like the apostles were administering this program to the Hebrews. They were Hebrews. Hello? It's what they were. They were Hebrews. And I don't care. You know, people say, well, there shouldn't be cliques in the church. There shouldn't be little groups in the church. Well, let me tell you something. The senior adults in this church are my clique. They, they got an old guy to take care of the old people. Okay? And I'm getting older all the time. And they're getting older all the time. Okay? But, and, and we all have our, we have all, all have people that, that our personalities gel with and, and we just get along. And, and it's not that, that we're saying nobody else is valuable or, or that we don't like anybody else. It's just that, you, you know, Robert, my personality gels with you. Okay? Josh, my personality gels with you. I love Dr. Josh Rollins, you know, and other people, you know, Mark and Gwenna, there's a couple of the old people that I help take care of. And I can pick on Mark and Gwenna because I know they, they, they know me and they love me and I love them. But you see, it, it, people, they, they were saying they like them more than they like us. That's not it at all. It's just they probably knew the Hebrew widows better than they knew the Greek widows. That's probably what was going on. But a, a remedy had to be devised. Something had to be done to solve this problem. And so in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, it says, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a fruit food program. And so brothers select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom and we will give them the responsibility. Okay, let me tell you, some people have said that this remedy that was, that was brought up in this meeting that this remedy was a demonstration of the gift of a word of wisdom. It was certainly wise counsel. And we don't know whether it was something that they got together, the 12 of them, how are we gonna do this? Or maybe one of them, and maybe, maybe it was Peter, we don't know, but they, they got together and they said, this. This, is, this looks like it would be the remedy. And you see, it, it has become a pattern for the church down through all generations. They started it here in Jerusalem and it's been a pattern for the church. It's a pattern in our church. There are pastors to oversee the spiritual. There are deacons to oversee the temporal. Different types of gifts, different types of gifts. 
And this oversight of, of, the, of the money, I know Pastor John meets with the deacons every month and they talk about the budget and they go over what we've spent and things like that. And these men add great wisdom to how this church operates and to what we do. And let me tell you something, these are men with vision. If they didn't have vision, we wouldn't have all of this equipment that we have around here. Because they're willing to step out and say, okay, we'll spend the money. They don't just hoard the money and just, let's put it in the bank. Let's keep it in, let's take it, let's invest it in the kingdom of God. Let's use it for the building of the kingdom. Let's use it for the building of the kingdom. You see, notice this, these things about these men. First of all, they did not have to be successful businessmen. Now, on our, our board, we have some successful businessmen, but that's not a requirement. You see, they were to be men who were well-respected and full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. You see, the work they were given to do was critical. Their gifts were different. Peter and John and, and James said, you know, we need to preach and to teach, and, and we need to be given our energy and our abilities and our, and our time to, to, to the preaching and the teaching and to times of prayer. We need to do that. Somebody else needs to take care of, the, of, of this, this job of passing out the food. It's important, but we don't have time. We don't have time. And so the work that they were given to do, though it was different, it was not subservient to the work of the ministry. It was part and parcel of the ministry. It was just a different arm of ministry. It's critical to the overall success of the ministry of the church. So that's serving God's people Seeking God's gifts, serving God's people. Let's talk about sharing God's word. In the Old Testament, we read about Moses and the 70 elders. You know, the people brought their complaints to Moses. And he was, for some time, he was the only judge of the people. And so it didn't make any difference whether it was a toothache or a divorce, it came to Moses. They brought their problems to Moses. And Moses is carrying this entire load. All of their complaints land on Moses' shoulder. And Moses said, I carry this whole load. Speaking to God, I carry this whole load on my shoulders. Give me help or kill me. Pastor Brooks. You have felt that way at times. I'm not going to ask you if you have. I'm going to tell you, you have felt that way at times. Lord, give me help or let me die. When I was a lead pastor, I felt that way at times. Oh, God, give me some help or let me die. Kill me. That's what Moses is praying. And, and so God told him to choose 70 elders and to bring them into the tabernacle. That's the tent church that was out in the wilderness. And he would put on these 70 elders of the same spirit that was on Moses. He would take that, that same spirit and he would put it on these 70 elders. And so there was a, a day and a time that was set. And when the day came and the time that was appointed came, of the 70, there were 68 
in the tabernacle. Had to be a Pentecostal church. Somebody is always late in Pentecostal church. So th th there were 68 in the tabernacle. And when the time came, God of his spirit. You know, God is so wonderful. He can take part of what's on Pastor John and put it on the rest of the staff. And Pastor John still has as much as he had before. And yet we have that same spirit. It's a miracle of God that he can take away and not reduce. It's a miracle of God. And that's what happens here. God took that spirit that was on Moses, took it away and put it on the, the 70. You said, well, there's only 68. We'll get there. Okay. He put it on the 70 and, and they had the same spirit, but Moses didn't have any less. It's a miracle of God. And, and so it, it, the time came and there were two guys still out in the congregation. And I can just see him. One of them was trying to put on his coat or he was trying to tighten his tie or fasten his shoelaces. And they were hurrying through the congregation. And while they came, at the time that the spirit fell in the tabernacle, it fell out of the congregation on these two and they began to prophesy. Their names were Eldad and Medad. Really, that's what their names were. I've always thought it meant I'm late and you're late. <laughs> we think, Sam, does that work? Yeah, it works for you, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. I'm late and you're late. I told you it's a Pentecostal church. And so... When that happened, word came to Joshua and Joshua took it to Moses and Joshua said, cause them to stop. They shouldn't be doing that in the congregation in a way that wasn't preordained. Cause them to stop. And in Numbers chapter 11, verses 27 and 29, we find the very first prophetic utterance, the very first prophetic utterance where there is a promise that someday there will be a general outpouring of the Spirit of God on all of God's people. Okay? Look at Numbers 11, 27 through 29. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad, I'm late and you're late, are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, and here it is. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that, all, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. That's the very first prophecy that says the, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter two, verse number 39. That's God's plan. It's God's will for you to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you to have the baptism and you to be baptized and you to be baptized in the Spirit. It's God's will for you to have that. And it's God's will for you to take these gifts that he's given you and invest them in the kingdom. You see, delegation of responsibility and authority took place 
here in, in the ministry of Moses. Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. You see, the new, it, is, it is the New Testament equivalent of this delegation of authority. That's what's, that's what's happening here. So because of the sharing of responsibility and authority, the apostles were freed to do what they did best. Okay? So first of all, we talked about seeking God's gifts, serving God's people, sharing God's word. Now let's talk about spreading God's influence. Verse number seven reveals the result of such sharing. Now understand now, the responsibility has been de delegated. And these people are picking up a load that they weren't carrying before. So they freed the, the, the pastoral staff. They freed the pastoral staff to do what they did best, to do what they did best. And verse number seven says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. When I was a boy, 100 years ago, Taylor, you know that, been a long time, okay? Well, maybe not quite 100 years, okay. But when I was a boy in children's church, we used to gather together and choose up partners. And I'd take some other little child's hands and they'd take mine and around the whole group, we'd, we'd join hands and we'd sing when we all pull together, together, together. When we all pull together, how happy we'll be. For your work is my work. And my work is God's work. When we all pull together, how happy we'll be. In this passage, there is a figurative joining of hands. Each person did what they could do, and because of that, God multiplied and prospered everyone's efforts because the ministry grew and people were saved and the work continued better than before because other people picked up their load and said, I'll do this and I'll let somebody else do what they do, do what they do. So what do you need to take away from this? First of all, understand God has a best gift for every person who will yield to his work in their life. I don't know what your best, it took me a long time. Some of you have heard me say this, especially those of you that, that are in our class on two Sunday nights a month back here in the fellowship room. Some of you have heard me say this. I wanted to be a flaming evangelist. I wanted to be the Assembly of God Billy Graham. Dean, you did too, didn't you? Yeah. That's what I wanted. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to preach to thousands. I wanted to see people walk the aisles. And it took God years to get me to understand that my primary gift is teaching the word. It's my primary gift. It took me a long time. But see, that's my best gift. You have a best gift. 
I don't know what it is. You may not even know. It took me a long time to figure it out for myself. You may not even know yet, but you have a best gift. The second thing is, there are no insignificant gifts. Somewhere around here is Matt Wood. Where'd he go? I don't see him. Somewhere back here behind me is Matt Wood. Matt Wood carried our pulpit out, brought my stool out. That's, that's a gift. It's a gift to me. And by him doing that, I can do what I do better. You see, there are no, ins you say, that's a tiny thing. There are no insignificant gifts. I don't care what you do. I don't care how little it looks. There are no insignificant gifts in the work of God. Little is much if God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Okay? There are no insignificant gifts. Thirdly, when you do your part, it frees someone else to do theirs. Okay? When you do your part. Okay, let me conclude with this. And some of you that, again, that are in our class have heard me say this. We were past, pastoring a church in northeastern Oklahoma. And uh, it had several green areas that where the flower beds need to be tended and, and, and grass needed to be and need to be weeded and taken care of that way. But before I go on, let me say, you, you, you see, you see these hands. There's no green thumbs on these hands. There's only black fingers. You know, if I touch it, it dies. If I touch it, it dies. So this this church had green areas that needed to be needed to be taken care of, and they needed to be. One day, one of the men of the church came up and he got busy out and he, he cleaned up the flower beds and, and he, he, he made sure that all the grass was trimmed and, and that everything was, was pruned and right. And when he got through, and, and, and it, it had gotten ahead of us, it, it really needed a lot of work. But when he got through, he came to me and he said, I got it right. Now it's up to you to keep it that way. That's not my gift. I'm not afraid of hard work. When I was, when I was a teenager, my brother and I had an old pickup, loaded it with, with lawnmowers and edgers, and we went out and cut grass and edged the, the curbs and that kind of thing in Tulsa. I'm not afraid of hard work. But when it comes to tending flower beds and things like that, I could cut the grass and edge the, edge the curb, but I couldn't do that. That's not my gift. So don't put that on me because if you put that on me, then I can't take care of what I can do. I can't take care of what I can do. Okay? Would you stand? And I'm gonna stand. We'll stand here where I can hold on to something so maybe I'll be steady for a while. I would like 
all of the facilitators and Pastor John and Pastor Brooks and Pastor Sam come down here in the front. I know Pastor Dave's tied up, Pastor Henry's tied up, but if we get the facilitators and God has spoken to some of you this morning. God has spoken to some of you and he has said to you, you have a gift that needs to be invested in the kingdom. And some of the rest of you have said, I'm not even sure what my best gift is. Here's what I want us to do. If you're here this morning, and nobody's going to shame you or embarrass you, but if you're here this morning and you say, I've got a gift that I need to either invest in the kingdom or invest it to a greater degree in the kingdom, or if you're here this morning and you say, I want to find my best gift because I want to give my best to God. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to just step out and come down here and let some of these people pray with you and for you. Would you do that? Come on. Come on. God has spoken to some of you this morning. Come on. Yeah, that's it. Make that move. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I ask, Lord, that you would reach down and that you would touch lives. Lord, there's a work to do. There's more work to do in this church and in this town than we can get done. And we need people to invest their lives, invest themselves, invest their gifts in the work of God. And I pray, Lord, that you'll touch lives and that you'll minister and that you'll use us and that we will touch Oklahoma City and Oklahoma and the nation and the world for the kingdom of God because we're going to invest our gifts in the work of the Lord. Come on. The Lord has spoken to more of you. Come on. Step out. Come on down here. Let these folks pray with you and pray for you. Hallelujah. 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 God wants to use Christ's legacy church to shake Oklahoma City, to do a work for the kingdom of God. But for that to happen, we've got to be willing to invest ourselves in the work of the kingdom. We've got to do that. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Come on, let's all worship together, shall we? Let's just worship the Lord together. Father, in the name of Jesus, God bless your people. God minister to your people. Touch their lives, oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, in Jesus' name, touch the lives of your people. Glory to God.